We are embarking on my favorite time of year. I absolutely love Mardi Gras. I love the season, I love the time, but especially, I really love to watch WWL on Tuesday and see all the people who are all over New Orleans and know that I am nowhere near it. <laughs> but it's a beautiful sight to see so many people come together, people from different backgrounds, people from different areas of the country, men, women, black and white, Republicans and Democrats, short and tall, skinny and fat, and everything in between. People coming together and just enjoying life. 24 years ago, I had my most memorable Mardi Gras of all time. 24 years ago, I was in kindergarten. And our school at St. Mary's in Raceland, we do, we, they always do what they call the crew of kiddies parade on, on the Friday before Mardi Gras. It's a good way to send the kids out. It's been going on for almost 50 years now. But it's a wonderful little parade. And when I was there, what they did was, is they always chose two kids from each class to ride on the big float. Now preschool would be able to be king and queen. And it seems like every grade had a boy and a girl. And they would, they would dress up. So you might have a cop and a, and a, a nurse, or a doctor and a nurse or a cop and a, uh, a teacher. Or, and it was just like these two, kind of this, this nice little balance of, of a boy role and a girl role. Well, when I, was, when I was in kindergarten, I remember sitting in my class waiting for the name to be picked of who's going to ride on the big float. Now, the, the thing is, is that the kindergartners were going to go as priest and nun. I remember them picking the girl's name. She's all excited. She gets to ride on a big float. And then it came time for the boy name. They dig in the hat. They pull a name out. They look at it. And I remember my teacher audibly laughing, showing the aide and her also laughing. And me expecting, oh, man, I wonder who got picked. John David Mathern. <laughs> my teachers would have never dreamed they thought it was the funniest thing in the world because there was no way that that little kid, that little boy who loved to be punished, loved to stand by the wall and hold it up at recess after recess, there's no way that that one's going to be a priest. Well, I got him. <laughs> but today, as we, as we reflect on this time of year that we have around here and the time of year that we're going to embark on in the church, because our Mardi Gras season of joy and fun and excitement, it leads us right up to the threshold of Lent. Time of penance, time of prayer, time of almsgiving. A time to focus on our relationship with God and to let the other stuff fall away. See, we have Mardi Gras in our society does a really good job of building bridges. There's a really good job of connecting people that otherwise may never talk, may never see each other. But it brings a lot of people together because division is real. Like division in our world, division in the different spheres of our, of our society, 
the economic, the political, all over the world, divisions are real. See, today, we hear about the divisions of our Jewish brothers and sisters. We hear about the divisions that were going on 2,000 years ago in Jesus' time. The division of leprosy, how it pulled people out of the community, how it drove a wedge into families, into friends, into relationships. See, leprosy is essentially a disease that makes the person decay. Now, in our world, for the most part, in the developed world, it's been pretty much eradicated. But people would basically decay and fall apart, lose a finger, a toe, while they were still alive. It was a a disease of the flesh. And our Jewish brothers and sisters, like in their practice of their faith, anything that looked like death removed you from the temple worship, removed you from all things holy, and made you what they called, uh, what made you um, unclean by pulling you out of worship. This, this terrible disease was basically a, the, it was basically a connection to death that would pull these people out of their community, make them ritually unclean. Jesus, though, doesn't allow this he doesn't allow this death, he doesn't allow this, this disease to hold him back from reaching out to the people. Like Jesus, the same way Mardi Gras kind of builds a bridge in our society, Jesus builds that bridge. When this leper comes to him, crying out, asking, praying for healing, Jesus reaches out and touches him. Now that, to us, doesn't, it doesn't seem that big of a deal. But... In their world, in their context, that would have removed Jesus from the ritually pure. Just being in contact with death or blood pulls you away. But Jesus builds that bridge by bringing healing to this man. Now for us, sometimes we can hear that and it's like, oh, it's just another miracle. And that's wonderful, that's great. Like, I understand, Father, that this leper got to, got to now be ritually pure. Like, okay, he got to go to the temple. That's awesome. That's beautiful. But what does it mean for me today? The last two weeks, we've heard different stories of Jesus, how he's not just concerned about the spiritual, about spiritual ailments, like in the demoniac, but he's also worried about physical ailments. Like when he comes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. In our life as well, our Lord is not just worried about the, about the physical sufferings that we go through, the ones that we may complain, the ones that, that really do plague us, the crosses that we carry in our body. You can take your pick, diabetes, cancer, um, addictions. But our Lord is also concerned about another disease, one that we don't talk about as much, but one that plagues every one of us. That disease is sin. Our struggle and our fight against sin. 
See, our Lord cares about both. And He cares about both, both the physical and the spiritual sufferings that we go through in such a way that He gives us two sacraments, two beautiful places where we can go and we know He will meet us. The first, some people may have taken advantage of it before Mass, in confession, where that spiritual sickness that we all struggle with, going all the way back to our first parents, that spiritual sickness that continues to plague us, where we speak healing into it, where we're purified of those sins, and where the Lord reestablishes His grace in our hearts. The other way is what we'll celebrate today, is the anointing of the sick. And that God, we believe and we trust and we hope and we know that God does understand the plight of the sick. He continues to heal us, continues to reach out to us by giving us strength to better endure. That the sickness, that the struggles we have in this life may gain us grace for the next. Every one of us, one day, will pass. Every one of us will, sooner or later, succumb to our human weakness. Are we prepared for the life to come? And our church has, has held on to these, has protected these two beautiful gifts and continues to give them to us freely. Are we open to receiving the physical healing that God wants to give us through the anointing of the sick. A physical healing that may not look like what we really want. It may, it may not all of a sudden, my, my, my hip might not all of a sudden work perfectly. My cancer might not all of a sudden go. But do we trust in the Lord that He wants to touch us even there? Do we trust in the Lord that He wants to heal us and reestablish His relationship with us that sin ruptures, that sin hurts? Because we have a God that doesn't like death. We have a God that formed us in a way where death was not a part of the equation. But sin messed things up. We have a God, we have a Lord that said, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. And He came to destroy death. Today we see it in our gospel that Jesus touches the man who was essentially marked off as dead and gives him new life. Today, our faithful who come for the anointing of the sick, he touches them and reestablishes and raises you to new life. And in the sacrament of the Eucharist, he comes to each one of us in a profound way, in a physical way, in a pure and holy way, and touches us to raise us to life anew. Do we let God in to our suffering? Do we let God into our weakness? Do we let God into our struggles? God's not just concerned about the spiritual realm, but the physical as well. But where in your heart, where in your body, where in your life 
do you need God to touch today? As we approach the season of Mardi Gras, where we come to understand the joie de vie, the joy of life, where we come and we celebrate together as one people, let us let the Lord touch us in the places that He needs to so that we may be healed and we may be, we may be raised to, to the joy of that new life.